Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. Good morning. John 15. You will turn there with me in your Bibles. Or whatever gadget you have. Because we know when you're looking at your gadgets, you're looking at the Bible app. We know that. We don't question it here. Starting at verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also love you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. And this is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for just how glorious, majestic, and wonderful you are. Lord, we give you the praise and the honor from our hearts, through our lips. We pray, Lord, now that we would give you honor and praise through our ears. Give us ears to hear what your Spirit would speak to us in your Word. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to absorb it, apply it, and live it through and out. By the power of your Spirit, and by the holy name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Ask what you desire, and it shall be given to you. What's the desire of your heart? What is it you're asking of the Lord even this morning? Are you asking something majestic, wonderful? Have you been praying the same prayer and it just doesn't seem to get an answer? Is it because of your lack of faith? Have you learned, as some would like to teach you, to name it, then you can claim it. If you blab it, you can grab it. What is the secret of giving or getting what you desire? Well, it's an interesting thing because he says, kind of a condition, if you will, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, if my word is at home in you, if it remains in you, if it dwells at you, dwells in you, It's a picture, really, if you will, the Word of God. Not just going to the mind, but going into the heart. That you understand it. That you receive it. That you accept it. That would be the key. But what is it that we're to pull out of the Word of God? You you have it, you read it, but there's an essential truth, an essential point. Remember last week we ended with one desire. This week we understand that desire again by this one thing. See, the Word of God reveals 
God. That should be everyone's purpose, reason for reading God's Word. Number one, I want to know Him. Now, what does the Word of God reveal about God? First of all, we learned last week, it reveals really, if you will, the heart of the character of God. And what is that? It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's gentleness. His faithfulness, he shows self-control. But it's so much more than that because it also shows compassion, how compassionate he is, how merciful he is, how wise he is, how full of grace he is. And we talked about that last week. And second of all, it reveals the essence or the attributes of God, that God is self-existent. He's eternal. He has no beginning. He has no end. He's self-sufficient. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need you. He's not up there like some people like to portray him as this little old man that just needs love. He requires your love. He needs your love. He's a lonely God up there. No, he is not. He needs nothing. He needs no one. He's infinite. There's no measuring. And that includes his attributes, his character. His limitations is only except by his own nature and will. He's omnipresent. Or as Paul would say, we live and move in his being. As David said, it doesn't matter where I go, you're there. And that's throughout all his creation. So now let your mind expand. Go stare at the heavens and understand that everywhere in the heavens, His presence is there. Boy, that makes your mind go poof, doesn't it? He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. There's nothing too hard for Him. There's nothing impossible for Him, except again to go against His own nature and will. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. He knows everything about science. And again, guess what? He does know how this world was created. Because he created it. Again, for us, we have to put everything in a box, man does, because we don't understand that. We as believers understand just the simple truth is we don't understand it. But his evidence is throughout all creation. We also understand that he is holy and he is righteous and he is true. It reveals the work of God, His creation, um, deliverance of Israel out of Egypt, but also calling a nation, a nation that would again to show the world what it would take to, to honor God, to come to God. But it would also be a people that would write down the words of God, but also in those words it would reveal how much the need of humanity, humanity is for a Savior, the Messiah. And we see the work of God on the cross. We see the work of God in His resurrection. We see the work of God through His words. It reveals the will of God. Let me read some of this to you. In Galatians 4.4 it says, But at the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, 
In Hebrews 10, 9 and 10, it says, Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. But see, again, it expands even further, because then in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, because he is all-knowing, he knows those who are his already. That we would be holy and without blame. Remember that this is His will. Blame before, or His work, without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to the adoption of sons and daughters by Jesus Christ to Himself. Wow. This is His work. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21 says this, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. You're His workmanship. You're His work. Jesus says this, Dear do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that powerful? Isn't that grand? It reveals the promises of God. Did you know that? Somebody's calculated that there's actually 7,000 487 promises from God to man. How many do you know? D.L. Moody said this, Take the promises of God, let a man feed for a month on the promises of God, and he will not talk about how poor he is. You will hear people say, Oh, my leanness, how lean I am. It's not their leanness, it is their laziness. If you would only read from Genesis to Revelation and see all the promises made by God to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to the Jews, and to the Gentiles, and to all the people everywhere, if you would spend a month feeding on the precious promises of God, you wouldn't be going about complaining how poor you are. You'd lift up your head and proclaim the riches of His grace because you couldn't help doing it. Amazing. Poor, wretched people that we are. Peter puts it this way. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Let me repeat that because sometimes we just kind of read through that really quickly. That His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. How many promises do you know? How many promises have you underlined in God's Word? So, we've learned what? 
that it reveals the heart of character of God. It reveals the essence or the attributes of God. It reveals the work of God. It reveals the will of God. It reveals the promises of God. It reveals the voice of God. Do you want to hear God's voice? No, His Word. See, He doesn't contradict His Word. His voice is always with the understanding of what and how and who He is. See, if we understand that, then we understand that God never contradicts His nature or His will. In your life, in my life, Jesus put it this way, He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and keeps, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet by no means will they follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they don't know the voice of strangers. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. See, we cry out, Lord, I want to hear from you. I I want to hear your voice. Some of you have said, well, I've never heard God speak. Again, it's, have you understood the rhythm? Have you understood the majesty? Have you understood the glory? Have you understood the purpose? Have you understood his character? Have you understood his nature? Have you understood his work? Have you understood His will? Do you know His promises? Then you'll know His voice. And He speaks today. And He'll speak to you today. Are we listening? Oh, it gets better. See? Not only does it again reveal God in so many precious ways, it reveals the face of God. Moses asked, I want to see your face. The Lord said, you cannot see my face. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. You cannot see my face, for no man can see my face and live. But see, if you and I understood what he was saying was he was too holy for man to look at, there's no way in your condition or mind that we could see God. There's no way we could see his face. That's why he, being in the brightness of his glory, the Father's, And the express image of his person, personality, his nature, his essence. Upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And now we begin to see a face. And Philip asked, Lord, show us the Father and it's sufficient for us. And Jesus said, have I been so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? 
He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Now, I know a lot of us wish that sometimes, you know, there's a, uh, there's a, a series going on right now about the life of Jesus, and I'm not going to get into all that. But again, it's that desire in all of us. There's been so many movies and things made about Jesus because we want to see his face. So many paintings about Jesus because we want to see his face. So many people have said, oh, if you had one time to live in the history of mankind, when would you have wanted to live? And many will say, in the time of Jesus, even non-believers, because then I would ask him questions. To see him, to see him perform miracles, to walk with him, talk with him. And yet, if you will, if we would, Scripture tells us something else. See, for as God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's been said many times, and I do agree with it, that this is a love letter. It's a love letter for us. That the description is very descriptive. And the truth, you you can hang a life on it. And I hope you do. But we can see God in His truest essence. But see, He's given us a face that we can look at, because He's changing us, and we'll get into that. He's the one that the work, the great work, the great will of God was again always to save us. In order to save us, He's got to change us. Why the silence, you ask? Because I'm jumping to somewhere else. Listen, Scripture. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as the Spirit of the Lord. What does it mean? It means this. God's revealed His face to us through Jesus Christ. And the more that we see Him in His Word, the more we focus on His Word, the more we learn to hear His voice, the more we desire to follow after Him, something begins to happen. See, you begin to see His face. And you are being changed. You're being changed and I'm being changed. You see, it's not so much about me anymore, what I'm going to gather from God, not what I'm asking for. But I'm not what I'm looking for except for one thing, that one desire, and that one desire is to behold Him. Every day of my life. Him. It's this purpose we came here together was to look at Him. To see Him. To understand that He's changing us. And the more we stare into His face, the more we change. 
we have an understanding of something because Scripture tells us, because John tells us, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He, Jesus Christ, is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope purifies himself. First John chapter 3, 1 through 3. You're being changed. And being confident of this very thing that he has begun this work, he's going to complete it. Philippians 1 says. It's going to be complete. The journey now is really is to behold his face and not to Look away. It's the understanding that to see the glory of God is to see Jesus Christ. It's to understand that as we see God in His purest essence, we behold Him, our Savior. Psalm 104 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, You are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. And speaking of Jesus, it says, To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion, both now and forever. God the Father says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in His temple. In Isaiah 4.2, speaking of Jesus, it says, In that day the branch... Of the Lord, which again speaks of Jesus, shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent, appealing to those of Israel who have escaped. And the old again describing the Father says, Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord and the beauty of holiness. Concerning Jesus says, Concerning his son, who has been born of the seed of David according to the flesh, declared to be the Son of God, in power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. To understand again just simply this, that you were made for something so much special that you could ever understand on this earth. It's not about what you want. Name it. Claim it. Blab it. Grab it. It's not about making your life easier. It's not about making your life more pleasant. It's not even about our declaration of the pursuit of happiness. Because just like we talked about last week, everything that you desire in your heart has been given to you in Christ. A relationship. It's filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That you are the apple of His eye. That you are precious in His sight. You. You. Are actually, if you will, 
and epistle of Christ. Ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is of the heart. See, again, the mind-blowing thing is, is that God has already written out His plan for your life. Your purpose. Now, don't ever forget, the bottom line is that purpose is, again, is that He's transforming us because of the salvation that you've entered into, a relationship with Him, with Christ. Knowing that, then, we understand something, that the work that He desires to do, is He's already mapped it out. That you are being written a book about you. See, it speaks of this in uh, Isaiah 56, eight. No, Psalm 56, eight. excuse me. See, it says that He has collected your tears in a bottle. He's written your days on a page in a book. that make you stop to think something? You're beyond everything you can think. You're beyond everything you can see. Not because of the capability in you, but the God that you worship. He's writing a story. You're in that story. You're as precious to Him now because of what His Son has done as His own Son. And again, it makes us take a breath and suck air. As Ephesians would put it, for we are His workmanship, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That word workmanship is really a cool word, if you will. It's poema. It's where the English word gets poem. It's, it's a craft, a master craft. It's a work of art. So now the, it gets even deeper is that not only that you are and I am being written down in heaven, but we are, as you will, God's masterpiece, His poem. Where we see nothing but dirt and pain and sorrow and suffering, He sees a place of refining of working out these truths in your life and in my life. A poem, if you will. The author is Jesus, for He's the author and finisher of our faith. And with blood as He writes, it drips on the paper, reminding everyone that it was through His work. You are saved. So am I. His work. So when we understand these things, then we should understand how we ask. Not to get what I will. See, something that I... I didn't touch on that. We just touch on really quick because we understand something. It's not God's will that any should suffer. 
It's his desire that all would come to salvation. But see, he needs those that he has written on their hearts, the truth of the gospel message, that the light that once shined in the Father's face that shines in the Son's face, I shouldn't say once, but does shine in the Father's face that shines in the Son's face now shines on your face. Because when you're face to face, the Scripture would tell you it's fellowship. As we stare at His face, our face becomes a glow. And then as we go into this world, we understand that His will is that we go and make other disciples. So see, we're taken care of. I know you don't feel like it, most of you. I know all you do is see failure, stress, struggle. But see, His desire for each of us is to look past all that. Or as Jesus already said, I've got you. My Father has you. You have no problem here. Nobody can snatch you out of my hand or my Father's. The work will be complete. Now will you trust me with your day-to-day struggle? Will you trust me with the child that isn't obeying? Will you trust me when everything seems to be going wrong that day? Will you trust me when everything's going right that day that that does not define you? Your failure, your success does not define you. My word defines you. My truth defines you. My work has defined it. It is done. It is complete. It is finished. And I'm not done with you yet. Can you trust me? Will you walk with me? Will you begin to learn to stare in my face through my word? Will you study it and know it so that you would know my voice? Would you be at peace and understand that peace is made not as the world gives, I give unto you? Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. See, if we understand these things, if we understand it to the core, now that what we ask is different, I'm not asking what I want. I'm asking, Lord, it's your work. It's, it's your story. What is it that you desire in this situation? It's really hot in here, Lord, and I, I would rather leave, but... If there's something that is supposed to be done here, if it's in my life or the life of somebody else or both, then I want to stay here until you tell me to go. Because haven't you learned that when you get out of one fire, you jump into another? Lord, I, I don't know what I want in this child, but I know you do. You want this child to know you. And right now it seems like he is pushing against the wind, Lord. And I don't know what to do. But Lord, this child you gave us, what do you want me to do with this one that you love more than I? How do I reach him? How do I reach her? For you. For your purpose. So that they can see your face. Lord, 
don't seem I know where I'm supposed to go. What's your will in my life? What is it you're calling me to do? What is it you want me to do? This, this idea, and don't get me wrong, there's some value to it. This, but this, this word that's been going out about, what do you like to do? What, and this, this generation's getting lost with this. What do you, what pleases you? What's fun? It's been told to me since I was knee-high or a grasshopper, work is not fun. Now, it doesn't mean you can't find something you enjoy doing. That's not what I'm talking about. But that's not the first emphasis on what we're to do with our lives. Lord, what do you want me to do? What is it in this plan that you have for me to bring you glory? Remember, it always goes back to, Lord, I want to follow you and I want to know you. And I want you to have your way with me. Whatever job it is, whomever I marry, wherever I live, where is it that I need to go the best place for you to do your work in me? And help me, oh, help me to accept your love, your grace, your mercy, your kindness, your goodness, your gentleness, your plan in my life. If we ask accordingly, now we're asking according to His will. That you and I now become a chip off our Father's shoulder. We want what He wants. Because we begin to see the bigger picture. This is not our home. And He says to each of us, Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Start staring at my face and stop staring at your situation or circumstances. Because I've already overcome the world. Everyone in this room should have a big smile on their face. Look up at me. You are so loved. Beyond what you could ever imagine. And the gifts and the talents that God has given you are out of this world. Now it's like, where do you want to send me? What do you want to do? Because I'll go with you. Wherever that is. You with me? Lord, we just thank You for this morning. And we ask, first of all, for Your forgiveness. Lord, many times our faith is in other things rather than You. Our prayer this morning, Lord, is that each of us 
would begin to really study your word, to see your face, to be in fellowship with you, to walk with you, to behold your glory, your majesty, to behold your power. Behold and to see your will worked out in our lives and the lives of those around us. Lord, our prayer this morning is that it would be a simple one. That here we would seek your will in everything that we say and do. The purpose of our life would bring glory to your name and the work that you are doing. Bless us, Lord, we pray for your purpose. That the fruit that again, that grows from our lives, is once again understood. It's all a reflection on you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.